This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate Now to become a supporter. This is the Macho Man Randy Savage, and you know you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt. Oh yeah! Sort of break it, break it down like this. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is my pleasure to welcome you to this Mardi Gras edition of THN episode 197, where we are shirtless and talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, February 11th. I have so many beads. My name is Matt Baum. You can find me on the Twitter under the handle at Matt Baumstein. And when I'm not showing my boobs for Green Lantern rings, I'm writing the Comic Speculator blog for WordPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick. That's at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not loving these hurricanes because they taste just like Kool-Aid, I do love hurricanes. No, you do. I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Because you're a slutty sorority girl. In this week's episode, you're going to hear our reviews of Darth Vader, number one, and Divinity, number one. After that, we'll review ten more of this week's new comics. Faster than Jon Stewart can admit to being a Fox News plant during the ludicrous speed round. It was all a trap. Then we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where Brother Voodoo and Shadow Man and their Rebirth Brass Band are practicing their Mardi Gras march, while we discuss a couple of next week's comics and finally, the comic pushers are laying down some hardcore rhymes over hardcore drum beats and discussing some highly addictive and romantic comics for a Valentine's Day edition of the comic pushers. But before we start asking why Sony and Marvel can figure out Spidey, but not ROM, let's grab a tuba and a handful of beads and get ready for some drunk topless action. And then we'll talk about this week's big news. Wow. Yeah, right? Settling what is perhaps the greatest nerd bet of all time. Oh, please. Marvel Studios and Sony Pictures have announced an agreement to share control of Spider-Man, effectively joining their respective film universes. The news hit very late on Monday night, leaving just as many lingering questions as it answered. Here's what we know so far. Marvel and Disney didn't acquire the rights to Spider-Man from Sony. Sony still owns them. Sony will continue to finance, distribute, own, and have final creative control of the Spider-Man films. The character will debut in an unnamed film from Marvel Studios before appearing in a new solo movie from Sony in 2017, which will be co-produced by Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige. It's widely understood that Sony and Marvel will restart the Spidey franchise from scratch once again with a younger actor playing a high school-aged version of the character. The agreement opens the door for other Marvel characters to appear in Sony's Spider-Man films, and the two studios are, quote, exploring opportunities to make that a reality. It sounds like they're bi-curious. Yeah, exploring <laughs> all their opportunities. According to multiple reports, no money changed hands in order to make this deal. Marvel Studios won't pay Sony for using Spider-Man, and Sony won't get a cut for Spidey's appearances in Marvel films. Conversely, Marvel is said to not get a percentage of box office from Sony's Spider-Man films. Oddly, it seems as though Sony's planned spin-off projects like Sinister Six are still moving forward, at least for the moment, fingers crossed for the Aunt May film. In order to accommodate the new Spidey movie, Marvel Studios has pushed back the dates of four of their upcoming films. Thor Ragnarok has moved to November 3rd, 2017, with the new Spider-Man film taking its former spot on the schedule on July 28th. Black Panther has moved to July 6th, 2018. Captain Marvel has moved to November 2nd, 2018. And Inhumans has moved 
to July 12th in the far future year of 2019. And hopefully they can keep Inhuman running that long. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Matt, I know that I was feeling pretty good about myself earlier this week, but we're grown men. (sighs) There's no need to rub our victories in each other's faces. Give me a break. Now that the deal is official, what do you think? Here's what scares me. Told you so. Shut up. You asshole. I told you, you so. You could not have foreseen any of this. You got lucky. Here's what scares me about this. I first of all, I'm happy to get a bet like this wrong because we all want Spider-Man at Marvel. Totally. Obviously. But he's only at Marvel for the Marvel films that he guest stars in. Then Sony gets to make what could be another crappy Spider-Man But film. Marvel is working with Sony to make the solo Spider-Man And I films. think that's good. And I hope... That's the agreement. I hope that fixes things. Because this kind of sounds like they're putting Spider-Man in a Marvel movie to basically have a commercial for their own Sony Spider-Man film, which... At that point, they might just say to themselves, well, we didn't do anything wrong. You just didn't get enough press or something. The way I, I, It just worries me. The man. way I read it is, is that the Spider-Man franchise at Sony is merging, incursioning, if you will. Incursioning? With Marvel's Studios Cinematic Universe. Converging? Conver- con- <laughs> convergening. Convergening. <laughs> And then it will divergent when they do their own <laughs> and then it will Sony Spider-Man one. Yeah. Because there's also talk that uh, Marvel Studios characters will appear in Sony's movies, which means they're in the same universe well, now. Well, I don't know. Are they saying that? Because I that's, didn't read that. I just read that's, that. I read that news out loud to you, remember? No, exploring you, opportunities. Exploring opportunities. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, like, this is a good thing, and I want to be excited about it. It just, we've never seen anything like this, and it still seems like a lot of stuff could go wrong. More importantly, I want to see who is cast as Spider-Man. Right. And I'm not good at dream casting, and I don't know anything about up-and-coming Hollywood young actors. Yeah, I really don't either. I will say there's a lot of buzz on the internet about a black Spider-Man. A lot of people are speculating if this will be Marvel and Sony's opportunity to introduce Miles Morales. I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening And either. all of the press releases say Peter Parker, Peter Parker, Peter yeah, Parker. Yeah, they're going to go with Peter Parker. But there's no reason that Peter Parker has to be a white guy, I guess. That's true. Peter and if Parker this- could be Miles Morales. They could give him, I mean, he's the same inner city, half black, half Latino kid, and he's Spider-Man. <laughs> I, I don't know why his it- name's Parker. I'm not really sure, but I mean, hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I, anything can happen. I, I really don't know. At this point, all bets are off because yeah. I thought we knew that Sony was going to continue with their own mediocre crap. And then Marvel was going to continue to do what they were planning. And now anything can happen. I guess. I, I really have no clue what to expect. Yeah. I, I don't know. I and think we might not even get that. Who knows? Maybe Spider-Man just makes a cameo or something. We don't know. Well, I think that he'll be teased as a credit cookie. Probably. In something. And some people are speculating that it could happen as soon as Age of Ultron. Yeah. Because a lot of the credit cookies that they've made up to up till now have not been made way in advance no they're, they only, were, they're only getting done a couple of months in advance i would kind of be shocked if it but was age of you Ultron. could you could throw spider-man into a credit cookie and not have to have your casting settled yeah i mean he's in full costume anyone in a costume cgi whatever i don't know what i don't know what it's gonna be but i think they're gonna put him in a credit cookie first and then he'll appear as a major character in I something i agree either way it's exciting 
We just have to wait and see what happens next. Real- I trust Marvel. Yeah. Hopefully with their help, Sony can figure this bullshit <laughs> and we never have to get an amazing Spider-Man movie again. <laughs> It seems weird that there's no money on the table yet. I just think Fox should fly a fantastic car full of cash over to Marvel and say, <laughs> what do we have to do? What do we do? In other news, popular ebook subscription service, Scribd. Scribd? Scribd. Scribd? S-C-R-I-B-D, you guys tell me, has expanded their, quote, Netflix for books service into the realm of comics. This week, the service added over 10,000 titles from some of the industry's largest publishers, Archie, Dynamite, IDW, Marvel, Top Cow, Top Shelf, Valiant, and Zinescope. And some of the industry's smallest publishers. Curiously, <laughs> we see Top Cow, but not Image. Well, everything on Image is creator-owned. I guess. So Image, is, Image does not so if have for, the right to do that. So if you work for Top Cow, you're, you're doing it whether you like if it or not. If Eric Larson wants to put Savage Dragon on Scribbled, then he can. Scribbled. All right. Subscribers to the service will have unlimited access to every title Scribbid I think offers. It's scribed. I'm going to go with Scribbid. <laughs> <laughs> offers as part of their $8.99 a month plan. For hardcore comic fans, the company has also offered a mobile app with a, quote, binge button, <laughs> with lets with let you readily move from comic to comic in a particular series. And as you hunt for titles, it offers background info on comic characters. Access to the comics comes in addition to everything else Scribbid offers, including a huge library of over a million ebooks and audiobooks. Our very own Joe Patrick threw himself on the grenade and signed up for the service to test it out. Joey, did you get exploded and what did you think? I did not get exploded. Okay. I also did not see a binge button. Okay. But I've only pl- played around with it a little bit so far. I do think this sounds like a much more versatile service than Comixology? Well, Comixology is a la carte. You're paying right. for individual books. Right. And then sometimes you are subscribing to series, right? You will mm-hmm. pay 10 bucks for a year's worth or whatever. And they obviously don't have that kind of capability yet. They're not kicking up like new issues every week, are they? Scribbed. At Scribbid. Scrib. <laughs> we just say it different every time. Yeah. At Scribbled. All right. Well, let me back up. This is almost exactly what we were talking about on last week's show, almost. But it's when we were talking about the DC yes, and Marvel apps, right? But it skews pretty heavily towards trade collections rather than individual issues. Though it does have individual issues of books on there. Okay, there are huge weird gaps. Of course, it's new. Yes, yes, exactly. It's brand new. So there are huge weird gaps. The interface, while very easy to use is not very intuitive. And what I mean by that is there doesn't seem to be a way to just see a list of what's available. It's like searching for something specific on Netflix using only the handful of recommendations it throws up on your screen on it at any given time. Oh, I see. You can certainly search. I, I suspect I haven't actually tried it, but you could probably search for a specific title. Like if you wanted to read G.I. Joe Cobra, you could type in G.I. Joe Cobra okay, and it would spit out everything. That, that's where Comixology wins because like, hey, I want to search for comics with Cannonball in it. You can do that. You can search by character. Right. Stuff like and that. And maybe you can. I'm just not deep in, that deep into it yet. But where Marvel differs in a way that I really appreciate is that Marvel has an A to Z index. Right. So 
what I would like to see is for you to be able to go to a publisher's page on Scribed and then just search A to Z. Sure. Rather than this random generating it based on your preferences. Yeah, or search any way you want. Search by creator, search by series title, search by character, right. anything. And so the, the search function is fine, but sometimes you don't know what you want. Sometimes you want to browse. Right. And there, it seems extremely limited in the browsing aspect. I see. But the, the act of reading is really seamless. It's very streamlined. It's also more current in some respects than I would have expected. Like, okay. for example, it's got the entire run of Bloodshot from Valiant oh. on there. Up to may up to the point where it broke, you know. Right. Uh, so Harbinger Wars or Armor Hunters, wherever that break was, and right, they kind right, of right. rebranded. It's got everything prior to that. Hmm. That's and cool. It, it's even got issues of Transformers versus GI Joe from IDW, which is a brand new series. So who wins right now? Comicsology or Scribbled? Scrubbed wins in terms of ease of actually operating the app. Because the Marvel Unlimited app, while I never had any problems finding what I wanted in their list of stuff, getting things to load, getting pages to turn, having it crash, constant problems. Right. So, scrumpled, you're going to say good and getting better. Good and getting better. All right. It's $8.99 a month. And, and if you're spending $8.99 a month on Comixology, maybe you think about a comic book buffet. Right. Now, and... this At is such where, time that they have more to offer. Where, where Scribed will let you down is if you want the latest issue of High Crimes right. from Christopher Sabella or uh, something from Monkey Brain. That's that's not this service. Right. Comixology right now is the only is one of the only places that that sort of comic buying happens. Gotcha. But for all that they offer you, even outside of comics, like I immediately found and added to my library every Richard Stark Parker novel. Uh, there's millions and millions of things to experience on this app. So I think I'm going to stick with it. Sounds like they wrote you a pretty fat check. Hey, Oh, there you go. This episode brought to you by scribbled <laughs> good and getting better. Scrumpets. <laughs> Finally, vertigo has announced plans to publish two comic projects tying into the upcoming film. Mad max fury road. First up is a hardcover art book called mad max colon fury road colon inspired artists. It's a terrible name. There were two <laughs> colons in that name, which will feature double page spreads illustrated by 65 different artists, including comics legends like Bill Sienkiewicz, Paul Pope, Howard Chaikin, Nicola Scott, Gilbert Hernandez, Dave McKean, and more. The book will include commentary from the artists as well as Mad Max creator George Miller. The publisher will also be releasing four prequels featuring four different characters from the film, a one shot devoted to the characters Nux and Immortan Joe. No idea. Another devoted to Furiosa, that's Charlize Theron's character, and two issues starring Mad Max himself. Miller, Fury Road co-writer Nico Lathoris, and storyboard artist Mark Sexton will write the issues. Art will be provided by Sexton, Ricardo Barcelli, Leandro Fernandez, and Tristan Jones with covers by Tommy Lee Edwards. Love that guy. I do too. The hardcover goes on sale May 6th, the week before the film hits theaters. The first comic prequel will hit on May 20th, after the film hits theaters <laughs> with the others following sometime later, Matt, I normally ignore TV and film tie in comics completely. Will you be checking these out? It's easy to ignore TV and film tie ins usually because they're not 
usually done by the creators of the film or the television show. Right. And I this should, is. I should say I, I discount things like Star Wars and Buffy that are have right. their own mythologies in comics. Sure, sure. This is more like adaptation and right. tie-in stuff. This, like I was saying, is written and illustrated by some of the creators that worked directly on the movie. So I think it's going to be kick-ass. I'm not as excited uh, about the 65-page hardcover pinup book Mad or Max whatever it is. Pinups. I mean, I would say pick the best of those and release them as like lithographs or something that we can put on our wall. But I do think uh, the prequels sound really cool. I'm not sure why we can't get them out before the movie comes out. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I mean, hey, I'm going to read them. They're probably going to be good. I love Leonardo Fernandez. That guy is amazing. Here's why they're not coming out before the movie. Because nobody knows who Nux and Immortan Joe are. Well, and, yeah, but I mean, you put Mad Max on the cover and people are going to check it out. I, I suppose. I know they'd be like, ah, screw that. I have no idea what they're talking about. Oh, that Mad Max. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where people are going to buy it or they're not, regardless. If it's fans of Mad Max, like me. You're either into it or you're not. I'm into it. Big time. Sounds big. like they wrote you a fat check. <laughs> That's the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, hit us up on the THN forums where Joe and I have been posting pics of our restored Ford XP Falcon with a newly installed Concorde black on black front end. It is a sexy bitch of a machine. Mad Max reference. We are going to run some fucking bikers down, man. <laughs> Every Sunday, the Ayatollah of rock and roller, Joe Patrick, posts a question of the week in the THN forums. Also a Mad Max reference. Joe, what are we asking the listeners this week? And have you actually seen The Road Warrior? Well, I've seen Mad Max. Have you seen The Road Warrior? No, I've seen Mad Max. Have you seen Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome? I, okay, just tell them about the question. No, I... I <laughs> God. I think I, saw, I think I saw them when I was very young. Oh, boy. Look, Road Warrior is not on Netflix. I tried to, I watched Mad Max very recently. You don't have to sell this to me. Just read the question of the week. This week's question comes courtesy of Lord Stephen Fino. What comic book reunion would you like to see? It can be a classic team of characters that you'd like to see reunite or a creative team that you'd like to see work together again. I think that's a fun question. Yeah. I got an answer already. Do you? You betcha. I got a couple. I'm gonna have to weed it down to one. One answer. Them's the rules. No more of this rule breaking nonsense That's like right. last week. That's right. Back to the rules. You have until 5 p.m. this coming Friday, February 20th to get us your answer. You can call and leave that answer using Skype. The Skype panel is two at a nerd, all one word. Or call the Ziggurat hotline 402-819-4894. Or send an MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. However you choose to do it, keep it under three minutes. If you need more time, Go to the THN web forums, write to your heart's content. That's why we built them. It's review time on THN, where Joe and I exchange Batman Valentines. And then we dig deep into two of this week's comics. Joey, if I flip this coin and it comes up good side, I love you. If it comes up bad, you're fucking dead. What'd you read this week? That was not funny. (laughs) There was nothing funny about that. This week... I'm reviewing Darth Vader number one from Marvel Comics, written by Kieran Gillen, art by Salvador LaRocca. This was a beefy one, but it was five bucks. Darth Vader stars in his first ever solo ongoing series, the second title in Marvel Star Wars Revival, 
And like Star Wars number one, Vader starts off with a classic film opening, but this time the text crawl is written from the Empire's perspective, casting the Rebel Alliance as a band of terrorists that are launching attacks on the just Empire. It's a fun narrative choice, and it very simply tweaks your perspective of the story. We aren't meant to be reading this as the adventures of the greatest villain in film history. In this story, Vader is the hero. Yeah, this was like World War II propaganda from the Nazi point of view. Yeah. Gillen is pitch perfect with his script. It's impossible not to read this without the voices of James Earl Jones and Ian McDiarmid oh, yeah. playing in your head. Gillen's Vader has all the presence of his film crown apart, and he moves with a tangible weight from scene to scene. The story is light on some of the tingle-inducing moments that were present in the first issues of the Jason Aaron John Cassidy series, but Gillen sets up a compelling story where Vader finds his trust in his emperor wavering and takes steps to do something about it. The art by Salvador LaRocca is very cinematic, with lots of page-wide panels that mimic the cinematography of the movies. His tendency to lean towards photo reference serves the art for the most part. Every character and setting looks like it stepped right out of the film, sometimes literally. That can be a little bit distracting when you're reading it and you go, that is just, that is actually from the movie. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Before you go on, there was a scene with the Emperor where he's talking to Palpatine on uh, Coruscant. And it looked very episode one to me. And I kind of went, ugh, ugh. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 don't do that. Where it tends to fall down for me other than is the action scenes. And there were surprisingly few. And the ones that we got seemed a little stiff to me. Overall, though, I thought the book looked great. The Like I said last week, the Gamorrean guards looked like Gamorrean guards. Yeah, yak face looked like yak face. Vader was badass. Books based on villains can sometimes be a hard sell, but Gillen and LaRocco have presented a compelling reason to care about the Dark Lord of the Sith's solo adventures. It didn't push my buttons in the same way Star Wars did, but I still really enjoyed it. I'm giving it a buy it. I really enjoyed this. Yeah. I'm going to say I enjoyed this just as much as I enjoyed Star Wars. Oh, see, and I did not, but I, I, I don't mean to discount it. It's just that Star Wars and Star Wars number two were so Good. They were fantastic, and I loved them. This got me, I think, because of the way that they played Darth Vader. He's one of my all-time favorite. He's one of everybody's all-time favorite villains. But I like that they didn't go for extreme Vader or Vader flipping around and jumping like we got with Yoda in Episode Three or whatever. Yeah. He's still stiff, but he's very good at what he does. And when everybody opens fire on him inside Jabba's palace, he just sort of casually moves blocks lasers crushes guys tracheas (laughs) he was scary and they gave him real presence and that is hard to do with any villain but with one as iconic as this it's very difficult to do and pull it off and i thought laroca did an excellent job in doing so every time you saw vader on the page somebody was in trouble and i liked that they flipped it on its head a little bit and vader was in some trouble it was cool. I really enjoyed this. It's a fun companion piece to the regular Star Wars book because it fed directly <laughs> in. Very some tied scenes. in, by the way. Yeah. So if you haven't, I if you haven't read Star Wars one and two, be warned. Yeah, I guess that's true. But I don't see anyone who's going to pick this book up and be like, I'm not interested in the regular Star Wars title, just Darth Vader. Right. <laughs> I don't see that happening. Right. But I do like how they played some of the scenes through the eyes of Darth Vader looking directly at Luke Skywalker, whereas in the Star Wars book, we were looking through the eyes of Luke Skywalker directly at Darth Vader. It was very well executed. It was very well done. Huge buy it. Awesome. Tell me about Divinity, number one. 
Divinity is from Valiant. It's written by Matt Kent with art by Travis Hairsign. 32 pages here, and they're drawing the line at $3.99. Matt Kent has been given free reign in the Valiant universe, and for good reason. If you read his Mind Migment over at Dark Horse, that's MGMT, you already know how good Kent's brand of bizarre storytelling really is. This is the third book in the Valiant Next Push, and it, like the others, introduces a wholly new character into the Valiant U, Abram Adams. Abram was an orphan left on the doorstep of the Russian foreign minister in 1945. After that, he rose to prominence in the Russian space program as a brilliant student and perfect physical specimen. Later, he would be chosen for the most important space mission in the history of the Soviet Union. While the United States was planning a mission to the moon, the USSR was planning to send a cosmonaut deeper into space than anyone thought possible. The one thing they didn't count on was his return. Oh, man. In the hands of another writer, a comic like this could have suffered from way too much setup, but Kent does a wonderful job injecting just enough mystery and humanity into Abrams to keep the story interesting and keeps Abrams relatable as he takes on this ridiculous 30-year space mission. I love Hairsign's art, and he's great. As I thought here. this. I thought that this comic book was stunning. It really was. Hairsign doesn't have the best track record of getting comics out on time, but this is just a four-issue mini to introduce this new character. So hopefully, he's already turned in issue four. His loose lines and cleverly minimalist approach gives this comic a very real-world feel, even when it enters into the psychedelic. Hairsign is the exact opposite of the busy, overdrawn school of 90s artists working in a lot of superheroes books. Here he lets space and shadow tell the story and show emotion. There's a two-page sequence of Abrams' liftoff into space that was perfectly executed, and it reminded me how much I love this guy. We haven't seen a lot of work from him lately. Kint's storyline is straightforward and historical until it begins to break down with the timeline of the script. This happens subtly as the reader begins to understand that something changed Abram in space, and he might not exactly exist in one time anymore. This was an impressive introduction of a brand new character into the already thriving Valiant U. Oh, I forgot to mention, I thought it was a very brave choice to make Abram a black man in 80s Soviet Russia. That's not something I think I've ever seen in pop culture before this. Every Soviet Russian character white dude can you think of one that's funny because he did not read as black to me yeah he's dark-skinned huge buy it from there me. are no black people in russia <laughs> that's not true and i don't think that's true don't send me any emails it's not true and i don't think it's true <laughs> I, don't, I mean i've never been there i don't know it's true yes i thought this book was awesome and it's weird when i got to the end i realized something that i didn't think of while reading it is that it's told almost entirely in captions it's got almost yeah. no dialogue yeah very none little. and i thought that that was an amazing uh, writing choice well there is some dialogue by all the other characters but a little abram himself, a little a little bit not a lot but abram himself i don't think says almost anything right the art of course beautiful he may or may not be drawing black dudes <laughs> 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 I thought that I thought it was really wonderful and I I am very eager to see where it goes. Uh, I love just like the very subtle displays of power. Yeah. I won't say what happens but you know he's not c- 
coming back to Earth, crackling with energy like the Silver Surfer. Right. This isn't Dr. Manhattan. You know, he's kind of waving his hand and things are happening and you just go, whoa. <laughs> yeah. It was cool. I'm giving it a buy it. I'm excited about it. Well, that's a double buy it for Darth Vader number one and a double buy it for Divinity number one. As always, we want to know what you Luke Skywalker dads and space commies thought of these comics. So <laughs> whip out your Schwartz and we'll compare it to the size of ours over at the THN forums. Oh, let us know what you thought of the comics too. You can find those forums by clicking the forum button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Let the record reflect that I have checked Divinity number one, and he is, in fact, a black man. Oh, he's a brother, no I doubt. I don't know how I did not pick up on that. I just glossed right over Joe it. Joe Patrick has never seen a real black person I don't before. see color is all. <laughs> oh, I'm like no. Stephen Colbert. I just I don't see race. Gender neutral. I like it. Ge- <laughs> race neutral. Pardon me. <laughs> well, that I'm gender neutral, too. <laughs> With the announcement that he was leaving The Daily Show, Jon Stewart confirmed some suspicions Matt and I had. So, with the help of both Spymaster and the Taskmaster... Both our master buddies. We've slipped inside Comedy Central headquarters with zip ties and black bags in tow. The plan is simple. Kidnap Stuart, fly him to Madripoor, and then question him until he breaks and reveals who paid him to quit. Then we simply send our operatives to kill him, and boom! The Daily Show continues, we know where to get our news and laugh about it, and we can go back to reviewing ten more of this week's new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round! Ludicrous speed! Go! Coffin Hill, number 15, from DC, Vertigo. If you're looking for witches more recognizable than Scott Snyder's witches, look no further. The first major story arc has ended, and ex-cop waif goth Eve Coffin is forced to deal with her ancestor, the Coffin Witch, that started Coffin Hill's bad luck. This is well-written dialogue and a solid story for this soap opera starring witches, with great art by Anaki Miranda. This is a good Vertigo read, but I can't call it great. Most of the characters seem unlikable at best, and the main heroine, Eve, is drawn like a 16-year-old goth punk rock girl. Hard to see her as a cop. She looks like she's five foot two, maybe 85 pounds. These are all <laughs> things we brought up when we reviewed number one. Skim it! Harley Quinn V-Day special from DC. I haven't been following Harley Quinn, and this issue clearly builds on what came before, so it's not necessarily the most accessible but I can see why fans enjoy the series. Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti capture the essence of the character, and it seems drawn from the animated series rather than the new 52. Costume aside, obviously. Right. This issue has some kind of inconsistent art, and I can see how some readers might find this character grating. I can definitely see the promise here, though. I'm giving it a skip. Yeah, I get what they're doing, and that's fine, and I know a lot of people love that wackadoo like animated Harley Quinn. I hate it. I don't like Harley I Quinn enough it. to read her month to month. Yeah, I just don't care at all. I like her fine as a supporting character. Sure. The Empty, number one from Image. I don't even like her that much. Bomb Queen writer and artist Jimmy Robinson takes on sci-fi fantasy here with the story of Tanur, a woman covered in bandages trying to survive in the desert wasteland poisoned by mysterious roots. When Tanur meets a beautiful, long-necked stranger from a lush green place, she learns her world may be larger than she thought. Really f***ing weird character design here by Robinson, who draws Tanur and her people with unnaturally long arms, and the people from the green area with really long necks and almost fish eyes. I didn't really get what he was going for here, but it wasn't bad. He certainly proved he can do more than draw nudie comics, but I don't know if I'm coming back for more. Skim it. Secret Six, number two from DC. 
This comic book is repellent. <laughs> this is a poor attempt by DC and Gail Simone to recapture the magic of the previous series. Ridiculously inconsistent art. We talked about this with the first issue, how the anchor switched halfway through. Yeah. And it became a completely different looking book and yeah. not in a good way. Why wasn't it fixed for the second one? The same thing happens. Not to mention the second one took a really long time to it's come out. It's super late. So you had plenty of time. Right. The characters have either zero redeeming qualities or are completely devoid of character altogether. Yeah. Don't make the mistake of sticking around to see if it improves. I'm giving this a leave it. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't get it either. It's it's bad. And Gail Simone, I get she's doing her job, you know, pumping it up on Twitter. And people are like, I love it. I totally love it. I want to know what you love. Somebody tell us. Somebody hit us. Call us. And I want to hear Defender segment on the new Secret Six. I under, Look, I love it. Catman too. This is not Catman. No, hit me with it. I'm serious. Someone call and defend this. Abe Sabian, number 20 from Dark Horse. I've fallen woefully behind on Abe, but was able to pick this up and follow because I am current on BPRD. Abe's title has been a nice companion piece to the BPRD series with fantastic art by Max Fiumara. You don't have to read both series to stay on board, but you should because they're both great. Here, we're given a chance to catch our breath as an injured Abe helps Megan, a young girl that escaped from the cult that wanted to kill Abe. They thought he was part of the frog invasion and stuff. And perhaps it happens. a spy. He's helping her understand her place in the new and devastated world, and it's really, really good stuff. Buy it. Spider-Woman number four from Marvel. This is not a great place to jump into this series, but... You could say that about all these issues. <laughs> but I picked it up because I wanted to get a sense of what Dennis Hopeless was doing with the character before they Batgirl her up next month. I'll say this. I'll be really glad to see Greg land off this book. Uh-huh. But Dennis Hopeless is doing some pretty solid work. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do with Jessica Drew once he isn't hamstrung by a huge crossover and terrible art. As for this issue in particular, the story serves as a fun little addendum to Spider-Verse, tying up loose ends, setting up the new direction. I'm giving it a skim it. This should have been a four-issue limited series. It's they should have not started it off with a yeah. Spider-Verse tie-in. Or a Just backup storyline in one of the other Spider-Books or something. You know what? It's obvious It's obvious that this, re this mini relaunch thing with the new costume and the new artist is an absolute course correction. Yeah, it's issue one. Is and what it they is. saw the reaction and went, whoa, and did something about it. I'm fine with it. Right. Just own up to it. Make it happen. Don't bother relaunching it. it. Just even go. Gone. And Issue four in a four-issue miniseries. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> no one would care. Witchblade number 180 from Image. Sopgow. For some reason, I like to check in on the Witchblade Darkness U every couple of years and marvel at the fact that this long, drawn-out story of sexy people with sexy, light, and dark balancing artifacts is still f***ing chugging along. This issue is the first part of the death of Jackie Estacado, the darkness, who I'm pretty sure has already died 40 times before this. The dialogue here was complete with Harry Potter slang, using of apparate, which I had to look up. It is, in fact, slang for a teleportation spell from Harry Potter. Bad art with really odd computer coloring and inking. Sarah Pizzini is posed like a Victoria's Secret model in every panel, but not drawn very well at all. Who is still reading this? I would love to hear from you. I'm giving this a leave it. Help us, Great Warrior. Number one from Boombox. More goofy fun from Boombox. Great Warrior is sort of what would happen if Lumpy Space Princess from Adventure Time was a legendary champion. Very quirky, beautifully drawn. I loved it. Buy it. Is this from anything else or is it just... 
Um, I think she uh, maybe like a webcomic or something. Okay. I didn't know if it was like a spinoff of. Nope, nope. Of um, what the other great warriors? Bravest warriors. Bravest warriors. No. That's what I thought. Not connected. Was, okay. If you took my word for it and checked out Teen Dog, this is pretty fun stuff. Okay. For those who love Teen Dog. Maybe a little bit more plot driven than Teen Dog. <laughs> All right. The Harvester, number one from Legendary. Writer Brandon Seifert and artist Eric Battle bring the urban myth, one that I'm pretty sure they made up, of the Harvester to life. Think Jeepers Creepers meets Ghost Rider, and you've got pretty good idea of what's going on here. Here we get the story of the Harvester showing up to murder the hell out of a group of generically written bad bikers. And it's recounted by a folklorist who discovers that the stories of the Harvester coming for the souls of the evil might be more than just stories. Whoa! Eric Battle overdraws the hell out of every panel to the point of making some of them look bizarre and others just plain old hard to look at. Mm. Nothing to see here other than generic 90s horror with a superhero twist. Leave it. It looked so bad. It was bad. Eric Battle. All new X-Men number 36 from Marvel. The time-lost X-Men conclude their adventure in the Ultimate Universe just in time for it to be obliterated. This series is just a ton of fun each and every month. Wonderful art by Mahmoud Asrar. I'll be sad to see it end. You know, if that's actually what's happening, who knows? (laughs) For now, buy it! That is your ludicrous speed round and... Is the sound of the harvester throwing a biker through a plate glass window, as seen this week in the pages of The Harvester, number one. At least I think that's what was going on. It was kind of hard to make out. <laughs> now be sure to head over to the TGN forums and let us know what you thought of these comics or anything that came out this week. In the This Week's Comics section, do it for you. Do it for America. That was good. In preparation for next week's Mardi Gras celebration... We've agreed to rent the THN Sanctum Sanctorum to Brother Voodoo and Shadow Man, who are using the space to practice with their spectral brass marching band for the big parade on Tuesday. And it makes for a great soundtrack for Joey and I while we address our Masters of the Universe Valentines. Joey, pass the glitter glue, and why don't you tell the kids what your pick for next week is? I would like to know how many times we have invoked Brother Voodoo for the THN Sanctum Sanctorum. More than four. (laughs) Many times. (laughs) Next week, I am excited for Secret Identities number one from Image Comics, written by Brian Joins and Jay Farber, with art by Elias Kiriazis okay. and Charlie Kershoff. I think you said that second one totally wrong, though. <laughs> right. Here's your solicit. The superhero group known as The Frontline have just invited the new hero Crosswind to join them. But what they don't know is that Crosswind is a mole. Literally? Sent to learn all their secrets. Figuratively. <laughs> like, like he's got beady eyes and a little nose. and <laughs> Figuratively a mole. <laughs> and the front line have lots of secrets. We talked about this on the show. Yes. I love Jay Farber. Especially Jay Farber superhero books. They always have a fun twist. This sounds like no exception. I don't really know much about Brian Joins or the art team, but I know that this book looks good and I am excited. Yeah, definitely. And if you don't know Jay Farber, go back and pick up some of his stuff. It's all really good and he does not get enough play. Noble Causes, Dynamo 5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Dynamo 5 was fantastic. Matt Bomb, what's your pick for next week? My pick. I don't even know how to say this. E-I, the number eight, H-T. It's called called eight. Eight. (laughs) Number one. Written and illustrated but get this, Raphael Albu Queerquay. Yeah, that guy. Solicit. Welcome to the meld, an inhospitable dimension in time where Joshua, a chrononaut, finds himself trapped with, that's fun to say, chrononaut, 
with no memory. That's or like a cronut. <laughs> with no memory or feedback from the team of scientists that sent him. He can't count on anything but his heart and a stranger's voice to guide him to his destiny. Honestly, I love Alba, Albuquerque's art. Yeah. I want to see if dude can write. Yeah, I'm super interested in it. If he's a double threat, man, I can't wait. Very, very good. And it sounds like a cool story. It, the the promos look gorgeous. And chrono knots are delicious. <laughs> Let me tell you. Never had one. I thought you could only get them in New York City. <laughs> the THN Trade of the Week goes to the Scalped Deluxe Edition Hardcover Volume 1 from Vertigo, written by Jason Aaron with art by R.M. Guerra. Here's your solicit. The first 11 issues of the acclaimed series are collected in hardcover for the first time. Dashiell Badhorse has come home to the reservation armed with a set of nunchucks, a hellbent for leather attitude, and a dark secret. But nothing has changed, except for the glimmering new casino and a once-proud people overcome by drugs and organized crime. Includes sketch material by artist R.M. Guerra. I've said it a million times, Scalped is the meanest, nastiest, and one of the best comic series I've ever read. It is so good, and I am just waiting for this to become like an FX TV show or something. It got optioned by it somebody. It did, but nothing ever happened, I don't think. Yeah. Which is too bad. I have been looking for an excuse to read Scalped. I've started it, but man, it's going to be hard to pass up these these nice hardcovers. It is feel-bad comics at its best. Really good stuff. Sounds right up my alley. I'm a real feel-bad kind of guy. After you're done practicing your tuba scales and sending Skeletor Valentines to your secret crush, let us know what you're excited to read next week over at the THN Forum. Have you ever met a girl that you tried to date, but to another dimension she made her escape? Let me tell you a story of my situation. I was talking to this babe from the U.S. nation. She got jumped by a witch, couldn't let her get hurt. She had blonde hair and a purple miniskirt. I helped fight dark opal, dripping pouring with sweat. I said, now that's finished, your number I should get. She whispered in my ear, I'm a magic princess boo with a talking unicorn that can fly and sh- too. I asked her her name, she said Amethyst. She was a tween last week, but came of age with a twist. A royal from Gem World, she was magically infused. I said, I like your crown. She was very amused. She mentioned Doc Fate and some Lords of Order change, but when I sprung the question, she acted kind of strange. When I asked, is Doc Fate your man? She tried to pretend. She said, no, he's not. He's just a magic friend. Come on! What do you think I am? Some kind of dummy? You! You got what I need But you say fate's just a friend But you say fate's just a friend Oh baby you You got what I need That really turned out to be something, didn't it? Oh boy <laughs> When Joey's spitting dope rhymes like that It must mean the comic pushers are back I felt that one like deep down in my core <laughs> We're taking a slightly different approach this month, folks We're recording on Valentine's Day so Joey and I decided to talk about romance in comics, specifically some of our favorite must-read and possibly slightly off-kilter comic book love stories. Joey, I'm going to snack on some of these boozy chocolates Star Fox sent us for a minute here. <laughs> don't do it. Why don't you kick that's us off? That's not all that's in them. They are filled with roofies. Space roofies. We're going to start off with a couple series that we thought were particularly romantic, and then we'll move on to some storylines, and then we're going to pick our favorite couple in comics joey take it away when i think of ongoing romances in comics it's hard not to think of the current favorite and that is saga 
Marco and Alana. Oh, yeah. Gave up their own respective lives, uh, spitting in the face of their governments and on the run, building a family, high adventure, et cetera, et cetera. But I also really, really love Strangers in Paradise by Terry Moore. Mm, Excellent. Excellent. Which was, uh, which really was at times a romance comic and so much more. Francine and Kachu, best friends, deeply in love with each other, obviously, but Francine's upbringing and and baggage she's carrying around kind of prevent her from giving into it. And there's intrigue and there's crime and there's murder and there's sex. And it's a wonderful, wonderful series. Uh, Reprinted most recently, I believe, in four very thick digest books. So those when I think of romance comics... Very that are a little off the beaten path. Those are two of my favorites. Oh, definitely. I'm going to go with Preacher. <laughs> Preacher is one of my favorite romances because it was. It was totally, first of all, it's, it's the story of Jesse Custer and Tulip O'Hare and their rocky relationship. It was rocky before anything weird happened, but after Jesse accidentally inherits the word of God, yeah, a, a you know. power that allows him to tell someone to do something and then they will go and do it. Like if he says, go f- yourself, you're going to figure out how to do that and you're not going to like it. It follows them on what is basically a cowboy Western type adventure, a romp through the United States as they are running from this evil faction that works for the Vatican. They're running from demons. They're running from angels. They're just trying to exist with this crazy power. And the whole time God is sort of wandering the earth to see What's going to happen if this guy with this power that represents sort of like balance between good and evil is going to sway everyone into like worshiping him. But instead, he's just a dude. (laughs) And it ends wonderfully, absolutely wonderfully. And they were such a believable couple written by Garth Ennis with art by the amazing Steve Dillon. One of the best complete series of all time. Totally love it. Preacher. Absolutely. Absolutely. After that, I'm going with my favorite Superman and Lois story in a series, All-Star Superman. Yeah. All-Star Superman, written by Grant Morrison with the absolutely incredible art of Frank Quietly, who drew the cutest Lois Lane I've ever seen. Morrison plays on their relationship in such a perfect way, and we get to see Superman give Lois powers for one day to help her understand what his life is like. And it brings them even closer together and has this just bittersweet, beautiful ending to the story. I've never seen Lois and Superman's relationship better executed than this. It's just perfect. It, my eyes teared up when I read it. It was just wonderful. You're just a big softie. I can't help it. It was a great Superman-Lois love story. You're a big softie. Joey, you got a storyline that you particularly loved with some hardcore heavy romance in it? You know, I don't have a particular storyline, but... I always loved how Mark Wade wrote the relationship between Wally West and his girlfriend, future wife, Linda. Yeah. In the pages of the flash. They were really well realized as people. And Wade established that they had such a deep connection that if he were to ever, he was constantly in fear of getting lost in the speed force. Like he'd push himself too far and he'd get sucked into the speed force and never be able to come back. Their connection was so deep that his feelings for Linda and his love for Linda and her love for him are what 
he used as a beacon to find his way back to his home. Yeah. And I just always thought that was very powerful. And it happened more than once where he had to find his way back. And, you know, sometimes it didn't work out or sometimes Linda was the one that got, you know, presumed dead or whatever. There was always that connection that kept them tethered and allowed them to to fight their way back to each other. I really loved how he did that. In yeah, that it was great. I'm going with a very similar relationship. Judd Winnick had a long and excellent run on Green Arrow back in the 90s into 2000 late 90s late 90s into the 2000s and i loved the way that he wrote ollie green arrow Mm -hmm. his relationship with dinah lance black canary they barely got along but they loved each other they barely got along because they were so in love and throughout the run winnick started introducing these ideas into ollie where he starts realizing maybe i never grew up maybe i'm still just sort of this billionaire playboy kid and he sort of builds a family around him with the new speedy and he brings roy harper in who isn't speedy anymore he's like red arrow or arsenal or whatever the hell he's supposed to be at the time and he sort of builds his family around him to show dinah look i'm growing up i'm gonna give it an honest try i'm gonna grow up i'm gonna be a man and then finally he says will you marry me he comes to her in like the very last issue of winnick's run and asks her to marry him. Of course, it goes terribly wrong. <laughs> terribly wrong. <laughs> and they don't end up getting together at all. But it was such a great storyline. And the Black Canary Green Arrow series, it ran briefly. Amanda Connor did some art for it. It was excellent as well. It was a lot of fun. No, she did the wedding special. Oh, she did the wedding special? And then Cliff Chang drew That's right. Green Arrow Black Canary. Yeah, Cliff Chang was drawing that. That was also really good. Really enjoyed that book. And again, a very believable relationship that Winnick built between those characters. Something that is just totally gone, wiped clean now. And now the Black Canary is going to be the lead singer in a rock band. So who knows? <laughs> or something. Yeah. We don't know. Joey Patrick, tell me who your favorite couple in comics is. Uh, you know, I, I can't really fight it. It's hard for me to, to pick anybody other than Superman and Lois. Just because sure. I've grown up watching that romance become what it ultimately did when i started reading comics it was in golden and silver age reprints where lois was constantly trying to discover superman's identity you know she was in love with superman but didn't have any time for clark kent she was always trying to trick him yeah and so i started with those goofy old stories and then as it progressed through the 80s i saw their relationship develop in the post-crisis books where he ultimately a proposed marriage and revealed his identity to her. And they just really grew in my eyes uh, through the years until the point where they got married. Finally, after God, it was the, it was the mid to late eighties when they got engaged. It wasn't until like 1996 that they got married. Yeah. And then in year 1 million, he joins her in the sun. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, That's beautiful. It was beautiful. (laughs) It was a great moment. Yes. Uh, Again, Grant Morrison. Yeah. DC 1 million. Yep. But like you said, the new 52 washed it away. In fact, DC 1 million might be the most romantic end to a comic book I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. Over the course of my, of literally my entire life, I got to see every stage of, of that re- relationship build. And they, I'm sure they, they've got to be my favorite. It's a classic choice. Yeah. It's a classic choice. I'm going to go with Superman and Wonder Woman. Cause I think the two are just made for each bullshit. other. That's and it's bullshit. Just, 
so well done. It was as good as Storm and the Black Panther. You are full you know, of crap. It just, it just worked so well. No, that is not my choice. I had to struggle with this a little bit because I just wanted to go Spider-Man and Mary Jane, man. Spider-Man and Mary Jane. Come on. Spider-Man and Mary Jane. But everybody loves Spider-Man and Mary Jane. And there was one relationship that I loved even more because it was always on again, off again, on again, off again, rife with all manner of drama, soap opera BS. They lived in the same house. They were on the same team. There's all this sexual tension. I'm going with Kitty Pride and Colossus. I, I thought of them for sure. I love that relationship. And it's they've been dating and breaking up since like 1980. <laughs> they've been together and it's separate. A classic so love story times. between an 18-year-old man and a 14-year-old girl. Yeah, you know, they're only four years apart. That's not that weird. Come on. <laughs> it's a little weird. I loved it. And one of my favorite versions of it was the age of apocalypse story where colossus was going off to find his sister who had been taken with the other mutants that he was leading and was basically lying to his team and leading them on a suicide mission to get her and shadow cat figures it out while he's going on that mission and he basically explains to her look none of us are coming back from this and i'm sorry that i've tricked you into doing this with me but I love my sister and I love you and I don't know what else to do. Oh, ah, gut wrenching. Ah, <laughs> butt wrenching. And then he dies and my butt was wrenched. Oh man. So much love. So much romance. Listen to us. A couple it's of, enough to make you sick. A couple of blubbering little girls over here. <laughs> so those are our picks for our favorite off-kilter comic book romance stories, couples, and series. We want to know what warms your cold black hearts and cockles. <laughs> you keep that cockle talk to yourself. Your bedroom, your business. Get over to the Comic Pushers forum and tell us about your favorite comic book romances and suggest some love stories for us and other nerds to read. You can find that over at the THN forums. No cockle picks. Sort of break it, break it down like this. And that is it for the Mardi Gras edition of THN. If you love taking your shirt off in public and later seeing your boobs on the internet as much as we do, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn, where we still need your star ratings, your reviews, your thumbs up, and your little hearts, because it helps us to connect with other potential listeners. Yeah, I keep taking my shirt off, but nobody has put my boobs up on the internet. Really? Maybe you're doing it wrong. I'm starting to feel kind of bad about it. <laughs> Thanks to Chase Canterbury for the huge donation that allowed us to secure our domain name for the next five damn years. That's right. If we kill each other, it's your fault. That's right. We're goddamn partners. And if you want to keep us in beaded necklaces and lawyer fees so Ryan Forrest can threaten websites to take down our nudie Mardi Gras picks. I don't really care. Joe's a big baby. But you can do, like I said, I don't really have any. You can do so by clicking our drunk and topless PayPal button at twoheadednerd.com. And if you want to become a sustaining member, it's as easy as clicking the Make This Donation Monthly box. And as little as a buck a month really does help. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast that makes poor choices, you can shoot us an email with the subject line, Sponsorship. While you're there, you can find links to all of our contact info via Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Skype, and the Ziggurat Hotline, 402-819-4894. Using this giant list of resources, you can beg the comic pushers for a new read. You can hit us with your Ask a Nerd questions or trivia, or you can defend your questionable nerd tastes. Like I said, I want to hear somebody defend the new Secret Six book. Call me. And don't lie about it. I want to, if you really like it, I want to hear about it. Don't just invent something. Or you can ask us to review your 
self-published comic, be it printed, digital, painted in your own multicolored puke on the sidewalk, whatever. And don't forget to sign up for the THN forums. It's your little virtual piece of the ziggurat where you can discuss this week's show, post your own topless flashing pics, or just rap about comics. What do we got going on in the forums right now? Oh my God. <laughs> well, Matt, there's a really cool thread about people writing letters to comics. That's fun. We've and, got and the rating system discussion. A lot of talk about the rating system. Turns out I am in the vast, vast minority. minority. <laughs> Brian Domingos is giving me shade for comparing Convergence and Secret Wars. Ooh. Well, me and you. Oh, us. And I tried to throw you under the bus, but he said, nah, nah, nah not so fast. <laughs> well done, Domingos. Well, I, but I do believe I said it. it's a real deep impact Armageddon situation. You did. You did. The forums are a fun place. Go there. If you dig the music you hear on this show, you can follow our soundtrack playlist on Spotify by searching for Matt Bomb's Spotify profile. We'll put a link in the notes, too. Yeah, sure. I'll show you how to do that. Yeah, I know how to make a link. Thanks. You a dummy. Remember to follow To It A Nerd on Twitter, like our Facebook page, and watch the forums if you want to get in on the Question of the Week discussion. And then be sure to tune in to hear your answers on the Answer of the Week podcast every Wednesday. Or, you know, sometimes Thursday. Real late Thursday night. Calm down, Randy <laughs> and Keith. Happened? I was at work. Uh, but if you need more THN in your life now, get over to 2 and check out. We've got book reports on the way from Andrew McBride. We've got a new Nerd TV this week from Jim Stafford. Saturday Morning Cartoons has taken a week off. He'll be back next week with a piece on the tick. Can't wait. Nerd TV for this week is titled Mildly Embarrassed Defensiveness Bordering on Hostility. <laughs> I like how he titles his I like how he titles his That's uh, good stuff. His articles. <laughs> and as always, the ludicrous speed reviews by Aaron Myers. Ooh. Ooh. Not for everybody. He's just phoning it in at this point. He's an acquired taste. We'll say that. Next week, we're reviewing Scott McCloud's The Sculptor. When we play Take a Look, it's in a book. Get out your tissues, because we're going to be crybabies about this one. Pick up your copy now and read along with us. You'll know it's time to turn the page when you hear this sound. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Jason Sexier Sax, who just started a new job as technical program manager of Amazon.com. I think that means he's in charge. I have no idea what it means. Let's just say he's the president. He's the new Brazos or whatever. He's the Bezos. new Elon Musk. He's the new Bezos. No, that's something else. John Bezos? Brazos is a porn site. John Stamos? Yeah, he's the new John Stamos over there at Amazon. We'll be expecting the drone to show up with our free Amazon Fire phones any day now, Jace. Go ahead and push that button. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics because your retailer just might buy you sex toys off Amazon.com for it. This is a two-headed nerd, and yes, you can buy sex toys on Amazon.com. Signing off. Five-gallon buckets of lube. Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos. Got it. I like John's demos better. <laughs>